Welcome back to the Curious Wire. This will be a solo episode. This will be the story. It'll be a story and then some takeaways. Hopefully you could learn from and you'll be entertained by the story. So last year, 2022, I attended my first NEA apartmentalized conference in San Diego, California. And I met who was at the time the CEO of Cushman and Wakefield, Rick Graff. When I met Rick, I told him that it was my idea for Cushman and Wakefield to purchase Pinnacle back in 2020. So Cushman and Wakefield is a large real estate company, primarily a brokerage company. And in 2020, they acquired Pinnacle, a management company in multifamily. And at the time, they were the number, the third largest on NMHC's list top 50 list so he he got a good laugh and i explained to him the story so i first got into commercial real estate working for bico management bico owns and manages office and flex space now they're based in maryland um when i was there they had property in charlotte and chicago as well i do believe they've sold off the charlotte properties but they do still do have in chicago and also in virginia so I worked for Roberta Liss. At the time, she hired me at Bico. She was the VP of leasing and marketing. And I was on the leasing team there. I learned so much from her. And one of the best career moves I made was to keep in touch with her. So she went off, I think, after two years. She became the president of DTZ, which was a brokerage in Washington, D.C. And then I think six months later, DTZ was acquired by Cushman and Wakefield and her position expanded now today, I believe she's the president of the Eastern region for all of Cushman and Wakefield. So she's a, she's a big deal. And then I've kept in touch with her. And when I came to Sage and I got into multifamily, we would have conversations every once in a while. So multifamily sales was not a big part of, was a smaller portion of Cushman and Wakefield's business, at least in the East Coast and Mid-Atlantic, specifically Mid-Atlantic. They're very, they were a top firm for office, industrial, I think even retail. So we had a conversation about, you know, different ideas of how she wasn't coming to me for advice. I was just sharing my perspective on the industry and how a brokerage company could grow their market share. And I pointed out that that, so I did this exercise, I thought about it. And then I pointed out to her that in other asset classes like industrial office and retail, brokerage companies like Cushman and Wakefield We'll do management, leasing, and sales. But that's not what happens in multifamily. There's brokerage companies that do the sales, and there are management companies that do management. But there are no companies that do both. And I thought that that would be a great way to grow their multifamily sales business by acquiring a management company. So if they would acquire the management company, they would then expand their client base, and then that would give them a, a leg up in terms of selling multifamily properties for their clients. And I made an additional point that there was a growing trend of um, institutional money, money from outside of the country going into multifamily, and that would create more of a need for third-party management. So when you have these owners, especially outside of the country or large institutions that don't have management companies, they will buy properties and have a third-party 
managed it for them. So at the time, Pinnacle was, I think, all third-party management. So I wasn't suggesting to buy Pinnacle, but to acquire a third-party management company in order for growing their capital markets sales volume for multifamily properties. And on July 31st, I think it was after we had a conversation, I sent an email, you know, kind of summarizing what, what I was suggesting and some thoughts that I had and, and sent that to her. This was July 31st, 2019. On February 5th, 2020, Cushman and Wakefield announced that they were acquiring Pinnacle. So obviously I know in, in, in the grand scheme of things, this was not because of my idea. Roberta was not involved in that transaction or that decision. It wasn't that she shared my two cents with others and they went on it. But this was, I mean, one, it was fun and exciting to like see that idea happen. Um, I have a LinkedIn post about it and I think I could put the link in the show notes here so you could go and see. So I have a screenshot of the email that I sent, a screenshot of the announcement the dates, a picture with Rick Graff that I took when we met and I told him that it was because of me that the deal happened. And uh, and also, if you look at now, did the plan work? I don't know. But looking in CoStar, and if I look at all multifamily sales for 2019, at that time, the sales volume for Cushman and Wakefield had them fifth for brokerages. And um, let's see what the total was. I don't have the number in front of me, but it was 5.9% of total sales volume for, for multifamily. And in 2022, they were third and they were represented 10.1% of all multifamily sales volume. Um, I don't have the numbers exactly, but it will be in that LinkedIn post, but they they clearly grew their market share in terms of multifamily sales. Is that directly because of the acquisition of Pinnacle? I don't know. But they're definitely growing in that area, which is cool to see. And still, they're the only ones that I know of that have a management arm and have the brokerage arm. I would think that there could be an opportunity in the future for other brokerages to get in the game to acquire a third-party management company or a third-party management company to open a brokerage arm. I think that that would be really interesting. I think that there's still a lot of open space for something like that as well. So that's the fun story and it's cool to look back on it. But I think that the lesson to take from it is really has been career changing for me. So I am hungry and curious to find ways to see, to analyze. You could do a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, to assess whether it's your personal role, role, how your business, your company operates, the industry at large. And when you do this and you really start to figure out like, where is the opportunity, where are places that others are not doing something or that we could do something better, where do we make more? Right now, I'm, I'm really hyper-focused on understanding maintenance more and how that has an impact on operations. And I think that that is a huge, huge piece that doesn't get enough attention. I mean, it's, you know, all your, almost all your expenses on site have to do with maintenance. Um, it's, you know, at least half of your on-site staff. It's such a critical piece and folks are having challenges with 
staffing and you know logistics. I think there's a huge opportunity for people to streamline their purchasing processes. We're investigating different places of, of how we can streamline that and, and optimize that instead of each property operating in a silo individually, how we can leverage that buying power and streamline that as well as, as create a, an apprentice program so that we can be creating our own talent for for maintenance. Um, I think that that companies that can create their own talent, develop talent, new talent, they'll have people who stick around longer in maintenance and ideally perform better. That will be a, a huge game changer for folks that could do that. And, and we're hyper-focused on trying to figure that out. And it's exciting. And uh, there's so many components to maintenance, you know, tracking one maintenance's specialties, who's better at what, how can you optimize their workload? How do you, you have to start somewhere. You have to track where your, where the efforts are made, where the resources are, how many work orders are people doing, appliance. There's just so many components to it that there's not a lot of data and there's not a lot of focus on. And that's just an example. And I think if anybody does that in terms of their specific role on site at corporate, whatever it is, if you're really hungry, you're really curious, you'll find places that there are big opportunities. You can't just be head down and, and follow the pack. I mean, you could do that. That's probably the quote unquote safe thing to do, but that won't get you, that won't help you find the opportunities that others are missing. That won't help you get ahead. And who doesn't want people on their team that are hungry and curious to find better ways to grow, to get better. Uh, we want that on our team. And I would assume most operators and management companies, owners, want people who are hungry and curious to figure out better ways to do things. And when you do, you know, have a strong opinion. And then it's not just discovering that, but it's also knowing how to communicate it. And if they're not, you're communicating, they're not hearing you. Don't put it on them that they don't hear you. Put it on you. Like, how do I communicate this better? How do I understand this and deliver it better in a way that people can hear it? So hopefully you enjoyed that story. Hopefully there's a good lesson there for you. This has been a huge part of of my career and there's no end to it. So if you really are hungry and curious, like there's an endless amount of things to be hungry and curious about and to get better at and and perfect your craft and, and how you present it. And people want that on their team. It will elevate your career. You'll find more success that way. And it's actually a lot of fun too. So Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and you go check out the LinkedIn posts. Until next time, stay curious.